Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are going to talk about NASCAR. Just kidding. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Java House Coffee. They have numerous locations in and around Indy. Also go to javahouse.com and enter promo code PITLANE10 for 10% off your order. I just ordered a bunch of myself to get delivered here, so I'm very excited for it to arrive. But we're going to talk IndyCar today. Tomorrow will be Formula One. Also take an, keep an eye out for a blog post on Substack tomorrow as well. And yeah, so it was pretty chaotic opening round. I think I joked that we would have safety car issues this weekend and or this last weekend, kind of like 2020. And it was definitely a very chaotic weekend. So, Frenchie, where do you what do you want to recap our predictions first? Do you have them right in front of you? Yeah, hold on a second. Let me get that. Now you just heard all the things in the background of my office just drop as I dug through my stack. Of Actually, I didn't hear anything. Oh, okay, good. Um, let's see. St. Pete, I had Colton. You had Rossi. Okay, I win. For what I believe is driver of the weekend. Yeah. Struggle, I had Santino. And you had Joseph Newgarden. I think I win that one, but San- it's also not fair because Santino got in three corners and then crashed out. So point taken, though. And then I think that's all we did, actually, for the weekend. Yeah, I think we kept it short. Yeah, the rest is for the season. Yes, yes, fair. All right, so predictions done. That's a pretty good opening prediction for me, and I was in first place in the PLP Fantasy IndyCar League, which you did not make any picks in. Yes, I did. I'm second in the league. Oh, I saw Goodyear Haas at zero points. I don't know what that team is. It's like one that I created, I guess, in the past, but I'm Squadra Vitesse. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I don't I know how to get you. rid of that other team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I made picks. Yeah, all right. I was I was disappointed, and I was going to tell you, and then I just forgot with uh, how busy this week has gone. Where where do we start? Do we st- let's start with Pato. Is that the most deflating way to lose a race, albeit without crashing into a wall in the last corner of the Indy 500? Yeah, I think so. This is the second time now that he's lost to Marcus Erickson kind of in the last stages of a race. I don't know. I, I guess it was something completely out of his control. So he can't really be mad at himself or the team, but yeah. that might make it even more frustrating. Yeah, agreed. It's just hard when, I mean, I've never seen him that dejected afterwards when, even when things haven't gone his way. So, I mean, I, I think that almost kind of cements his, you know, his focus on the championship this year. You know, he's starting to like really come into his own as, as a championship contender season in and season out at this point. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty cool there. Erickson, I I said this on when I was a guest host the other day on the Gay Racing Podcast, which if you didn't see, go look at my retweets. The link is there. I guest hosted for an hour and it was a lot of fun that Marcus Erickson's drive was kind of like a Scott Dixon-esque 
race. Like he's there very quiet. And then all of a sudden he's on the podium. Oh wait, now he wins. So, you know, kind of a lucky win, obviously, but you know, right place, right time. Awesome to see. I don't know what you thought about Erickson's day other than what I just said. I think it's just impressive to see him qualify fourth, the highest of all the Ganassi cars. I mean, yeah. next was Pillow in seventh. So I don't think anybody necessarily, they keep calling him the sneaky Swede, which is kind of getting annoying because, I mean, he won the Indy 500. Like, we know the guy has talent. He was in F1. <laughs> he's not really, it's not a sneaky thing that he's going to win races, I don't think. Agreed. But he does do, like you said, what Scott Dixon kind of does. And that's winning by being really consistent and fast, but he's not out of control or making really dive bomb moves, he's smart. Yeah. And I think that is going to do him well. I mean, no one gives him enough credit, I think, on that Ganassi team. He's seen as, at least my perception is from the outside, as the weakest driver on the team because he hasn't won a championship. He has fewer wins than, I mean, other than, I guess, Armstrong, who's highly yeah, talented. Yeah, doesn't even count. Fair point, though. And I don't think he should be seen that way. I think he's probably going to show over his career that he's equal to those guys. Yeah, I guess. Maybe not kind Dixon. Of, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not fair. That, that's an unfair comparison to even try to make. But all right, let's let's go for the for the since we went with something good. Let's go for something bad now. Andretti Autosport. Holy hell. If you go all the way to Indy NXT, Hunter McElroy finished fifth. All three of the other drivers finished outside of the top 10. I know at least Jamie Chadwick wasn't really her fault. I missed what happened to Louis Foster because I was watching the F1 race at the same time. And James Rowe, I'm not really sure what happened there either, but a pretty dismal day that came in with so much promise with Kirkwood starting sixth, Herda starting second, was Colton second? And I have it right here. Yep, he was second. Yeah. And you know, Grosjean on the pole. Devlin kind of was was down there in the in the pecking order, but so much yeah, he promise. qualified 18th. So much promise. Like Andretti Autosport is back. And I said to my dad Sunday morning, yeah, Andretti's always good on these street courses, even through their struggles the last couple of years. They've still been relatively strong. You know, Rossi almost won at St. Pete in 2020 before he he lost it in turn two or turn three, I forget, coming on onto that straightaway where Stingray crashed in qualify or practice so you know around there but i mean damn no luck all weekend is this another kind of like andretti luck isn't actually changing after all i don't think so because we'll get into it but i think the reason that they didn't win the race was not really down to luck i mean it was an incident that was gonna happen basically it wasn't kind of unlucky for the other drivers, I don't know. I mean, for me, the verdict is still kind of out on Kyle Kirkwood because we saw him wreck a lot of equipment last season. Yeah. yeah. And I'm worried he's going to do the same thing. I mean, yes, he's fast. We saw Colton be fast and wreck a decent amount of equipment too. It seems like Colton has that more or less under control. Unfortunately, not really this weekend. Um, but... I mean, it looked like he got kind of bumped from what I saw, Colton at least. By Will Power, I think, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Willpower. Let's, let's, let's start with, we'll go through the incidents, but since you, you mentioned that willpower, who's that, who's that fault with his Colton Herta collision? I think I have to rewatch that, but uh, I mean, Colton was on the outside of the corner, but I can't remember. Did Will really kind of shove it in there? He did. I, I think a hundred percent. Yeah. So it's, I mean, Colton would probably do that himself, right? It's a Colton move pulled on Colton because Will Power is just as aggressive and willing to get his elbows out. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to call it a racing incident. I don't think Will was penalized, was he? He was. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah, he had There were so many crazy things that happened. I can't remember. He started at the rear of the field because he... There was a, a caution right after, I believe, right after, yeah, with with her just being stuck in the wall there. So he was okay. He started restarted at the rear of the field. Obviously, was able to finish seventh still. So let's let's yeah. go back to lap one. The Scott Dixon kind of gets a little wide there and pushes Felix into the wall. I don't think that was like a dirty thing or anything. It just it's lap one, first part of the race in St. Pete things happen not really a huge deal and then mayhem breaks out at the back of the field ferrucci gets into castro nevis castro nevis goes sideways everybody goes everywhere devlin gets airborne is that just kind of like a microcosm of lap one turn you know first couple set of turns and yeah what do you what do you what do you make of that I do feel like IndyCar has a tendency to struggle a bit on the starts at races. I mean, was that Texas a few years ago that there was just a massive wreck where like the Pietro Fittipaldi was blamed for it and like the whole tail end of the field just stacked up almost like a NASCAR big one? (laughs) I think it was Gateway. It was either Gateway or Iowa. It It was one of the shorter ovals. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Okay. For some reason, I thought there was one in Texas too, but you might be right about Gateway. Um, you know, I want to talk to you about this. It's just, obviously, we're really happy that everyone left that accident safely. It looked like Elio had a bit of pain, but he seems like he's okay. He had x-rays. I mean, he was icing his wrist and I guess his upper thigh or something was bothering him. Yeah. But the aero screen, again, fantastic job. We Love saw it. what benjamin peterson's car look like afterwards but what do we know what happened there with benjamin peterson it really just looked like he didn't even touch the brakes going in there like he there was no yellow flag warning for him no spotter warning is that, is that a rookie thing is that a mistake what happened so off the record on the record somebody on the team gave me an idea of the data and the data says he just he had 1.5 seconds between the time he saw car spinning okay. to the actual contact so you make a decision in 1.5 seconds and let me know how it yeah. goes that's not obviously directed at you you know what i mean but Absolutely. also data shows that he was on the brakes until when he knew like okay i'm making contact and he let off the brakes put his hands up kind of you know across his body mm-hmm. took his feet away from the pedals 
to brace for impact when he knew it was too late. So I think this is a case of we are slowing down replays to see what happened and it looks and sounds awful. But I think we need to like, I saw somebody on Twitter say that Benjamin Peterson doesn't deserve to be anywhere near an IndyCar. Like, yeah, I saw that too. It's, it seemed screw, really aggressive. Screw off. Like, conclusion. first off, who are you to say that? Because I'm not allowed to say that either. You know, you and I are sitting at desks talking about racing. Couldn't even sniff a race car. So I think we need to relax. And, you know, you and I were saying it during the race that, like, I wanted to hear his radio transmission to see, like, what, you know, what did we know? Because we, we don't truly know. Mm-hmm. And now we have a little bit of idea on the data. So, you know, make of that what you will. But I don't think Ben did anything wrong. Benjamin, I don't know if he goes by Ben, but you know, it is what it is. It's just, we're just glad everybody's okay. Yeah. I think that's the right way to look at it. You can't make a conclusion based off of one incident, right? Remember when I think it was Devlin had some pretty bad wrecks yeah. last season in the beginning of the season. And I mean, he got on top of that for the most part. You don't really see anyone yep. calling for him to be, you know, ejected out of IndyCar because he doesn't have the talent to drive anymore. So to make a conclusion about Benjamin Peterson after he was successful in Indy Lights and I mean, Indy Next and. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just can't do that. I don't think we we need more of a sample size. I, I really doubt he's going to end up being someone that's a liability. Correct. Correct. I, I, I think it's overblown from everything i've i've read lately that we just kind of need to relax a little bit here but all right so we're done that what else are we missing here oh kirkwood vk and harvey first off also glad jack's okay but is this one of those like i look at it as like vk hit the tires bounced off the tires innocent and then jack's in the wrong place at the wrong time kirk was in the wrong place at the wrong time like this isn't really anybody again maybe sloppy breaking which I think was kind of the theme of the weekend for me was sloppy driving. And it just made thing a, a minor bad thing really bad in the end. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of people. I don't know if there was just a problem with tires going off or the marbles looking really, really bad offline because it just looked like they were skating on ice at some points in the track and bouncing off those walls. So yeah. I agree. I mean, it's really unfortunate, especially I think for Jack Harvey, who needs to show better than he did last season. Otherwise, unfortunately, I don't think Ray Hall's going to have the patience with him. And this just isn't the way to get off on the right foot. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I don't really have too much to add to that. It's just disappointing how his qualifying went. All right, we talked about power and heard a, I guess the only other thing that like I wanted to get your opinion on in terms of the races. So power got the penalty. Well, Lucas got a penalty for hitting the back of Marcus Armstrong when he went to make uh, kind of a late move pass there. And let me pull up the penalty list here. Uh, Malukas avoidable contact. Don't need that power avoidable contact. And then. Yeah, McLaughlin got a obviously the avoidable contact, which we'll get to in a second, as I guess is the big talking point this weekend. I'll say this. They called everything that was, you know, 
reasonable contact and an avoidable contact penalty. And I'm okay with that as long as they're consistent all year. But I think this is one of the first instances I remember where like all race long, they called anything that was questionable the same way. Now, yeah, we saw more drive throughs I think, than we've seen in a long time. Feels four that way. of them, right? We have four drive throughs and two restart at the rear of the field. One was Stingray for service in a closed pit, and Power was avoidable contact restart at the rear because it was under caution. So, yeah. Anyway, Rojan, McLaughlin, what are your thoughts? I guess I think a lot of this probably had to do with tire differential. Scott was coming out on the primaries. That was his first lap. He barely made it ahead of Grosjean coming out of the pits. And that was nip and tuck. That was epic to see that kind of airborne shot from, I guess, the helicopter. Yeah, that was that was wild. I have a funny story on that in a second. Okay. But so Scott goes to the inside, right? Breaking down. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. To turn four. And Grosjean's on the outside of the corner. He's on warm, or I guess they're hot. Hot. Uh, they're green now. Guayuli tires, the alternates. <laughs> and I don't think he was going to make that corner on that line, even if Scott wasn't there. But Scott also looked like he locked up his rear wheels and bumped into Roman. So... If you want to criticize Roma for being aggressive, you can, I think. I mean, it's justified. This is an aggressive move, but he's an aggressive driver. I think we've seen that throughout his career. That's not going to change. And that's also something I think that Michael Andretti likes. I mean, look at the people yeah. that he's hired, right? They're all <laughs> aggressive drivers. So he was going for a win. You can't blame him for being that aggressive because it's hard to pass at St. Pete. And this is the best time. Your rival who's ahead of you came out just in front of you on tires that are not up to temperature yet. You had to go for it. So to criticize Romont, I don't think you can. I mean, we know, obviously, that a lot of the people say in IndyCar, oh, he drives dirty. I'm going to drive him dirty. That wasn't what happened here. Scott was also just trying to defend. And, you know, from his reaction after the race, 
he felt guilty about taking them both out. This wasn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't <laughs> MFing Grosjean <laughs> afterwards. Like, yeah. the dude's a nut job. Like, what does Roman say? He's a maniac or something, <laughs> whatever his phrase was. That didn't look like the way this went. This was an honest racing incident that was really unfortunate for both. Yeah, it was like, Grosjean, I feel like there's about two more opportunities on a lap at St. Pete that he could have easily gotten uh, easily gotten McLaughlin at, at that point. That being said, oh, you were McLaugh- saying, yeah, McLaughlin also broke, you know, 20 feet too late or locked the rear tires or a combination of both. So both made mistakes. I think things happen. It was probably more McLaughlin than Grosjean, but I also mm-hmm. think, you know, when, when you have a guy on cold tires going for it on the first corner, you see him isn't necessarily the smartest plan. And that's just, yeah. My opinion of the guys who are the best in racing are the guys who are calculated in, in what they are they are doing. So that's just my my point. So let's see here. Do we have anything else from the race? Uh, Pato's engine is going back to Michigan for Chevy and Ilmore to look over the plan of misfire. One of the guys at Chevy is vowing to figure out if there's a way to reduce the one in a million chance that something like this happens. So that stinks. All right, let's see here. Who was your driver of the weekend? You know what? I might have to say Graham Rahal. He did it again. Fair. Where he just like is able to make progress. He kept it clean for the most part. He made that epic save and he kept it off the tires. I just think a lot of people criticize Graham and you know, I've criticized Graham before for other things. But I, I do think the guy is a talented driver, and he did well this weekend. Fair enough. I have one other thing when we get done this. Okay. I'm going to go, and this is probably why I'm, we're going to talk about it afterwards. I'm going to go both of the Yunkos drivers. Kept it clean. Canapino finished 12th in his IndyCar debut on a tough track. And I don't have lap times here, but his average race speed was you know right there in line with pretty much everybody but the guys who finished on the podium so yeah that was faster than armstrong's average time from what i'm looking at yes yeah uh and malukas and polo 85.7 no malukas and armstrong were 85.8 canapino's 85.7 yeah so i'm saying he was faster I don't think 85.7 is faster than 85.8. This is average speed, not lap times. Like miles per hour. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, but I mean, he was right there. It's not like he was far off or anything. And all right, before we kind of talk about Yunkos, who was your disappointment of the weekend? Um... I think disappointment of the weekend is probably, I don't know, this is hard. There were a lot of people who had disappointing weekends. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them, it wasn't their fault, though, either. Yeah, this is a weird one. What happened to Connor again? He got hit by Kirkwood and spun out and kind of got stuck a couple laps down there. Okay, so that wasn't his fault either. No. Connor had a decent weekend. 
Didn't qualify well, but had a decent race. I mean, he finished 14th, which is not amazing, but it's not awful yeah. either, especially in a field of 27. Mm. Should I play the Jeopardy you know music? No, it's just hard to think about because I don't want to criticize anyone who basically got taken out for getting taken out because I don't feel like that's fair. Okay. No one really made an egregious mistake. Was there a bad driver of the weekend? I mean, disappointment. Yes. I'll say, I'll say Renus. Okay. I'm taking new garden. I think that's like the most obvious one that I, I was shocked. You didn't say, I hate to pick the obvious thing. <laughs> I'll purposely avoid picking the obvious just to be contrarian. Yeah. I don't think the new garden a little is bit like... of hickey. <laughs> super <laughs> obvious, but I think it's the most glaring one who had a bad, like did not put himself in a good spot this weekend. Anyway, let's go to Yunkos. But by my measurement, he was even faster than all the other people at 84.9. Right. Yeah, totally. Actually, Grosjean <laughs> was 84.8. No, 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 no. Felix is 46.8. So, like, again, you know, he's still not the fastest. Oh, wow. 46.8. No, that was, uh, hey, elapsed time. He'd be the fastest. <laughs> 46 seconds. That took everyone else 85 seconds. That yep. would be a ridiculous gap. Yep. You can see here, we're real good at reading on this show. All right. It's right next to the elapsed time column. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? We'll we'll let you slide on that one. I won't I won't make fun of you. But Yunkos, how impressive is Ilot who started 22nd, Canapino, who started 21st, and Ilot finishes fifth, Canapino finishes twelfth. Is this the most impressive team showing that they've had to date in terms of, you know, Isla qualified real well last year at Laguna, but obviously the race, something went wrong. But yeah, this this might be their most like complete weekend we've seen. They are the Aston Martin of IndyCar this weekend that just made what I think looks to be an incredible jump. I mean, we saw Isla kind of knocking on the door a couple of times last season, but yeah. For both cars to do this well, I hope this is a sign of what's to come for them because it's really fun to see the smaller teams get in there yes. and and really compete and kind of make it even closer. Does, does this change your opinion or maybe give you an opinion that theoretically one of their drivers could pull off a podium at some point this year? I could have seen Ilot doing it even last season, but okay. uh, yeah, if he if he does it this season, I will not be shocked. If Canapino does it this season, I will be shocked that he gets a podium. <laughs> Top yeah. five, I might see it on a okay. on a road or street course, probably yeah. not an oval. Yeah, I hope I can talk to him in Texas about how he's feeling about his oval career starting at Texas. But is there anything else? I don't think there's any. There's not news. I was looking at that before. Is there anything else you want to get to? No, just that this long gap in between races, I mean... Sucks. Yeah, other series have it. I understand the reasoning behind it. We don't really need to get into that. No. it's. I mean, we can all just kind of commiserate as IndyCar fans that this is the way it is. It's hard to find somewhere in, in March to race, right? We're, we're not like F1 that we can go to the Middle East where the temperature is conducive to racing at 
basically all times except the summer when everyone would melt. But <laughs> I wanted to praise NBC and Peacock because I don't feel like people do that enough. Fair. For sticking with the race and not switching over to golf. Yep. As popular as golf probably is, they left it on the golf channel and they stuck with the IndyCar season opener. The rating that we saw was not better than last year, but it wasn't that far off. And so let's give NBC some credit for doing that and for being yep. a good partner to IndyCar because, you know, watching from home, I, I loved the coverage. Yeah, agreed. And TV numbers aren't super concerning. I think as long as they're over like that 1.0 mark on the ratings, like that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. So and it's going to fluctuate here and there. I wonder if I was thinking about it. You know, F1 ended like 25 minutes before IndyCar went on air for TV. Like that crossover that usually happens when there's, you know, a couple hours before you get to IndyCar or, you know, did people just a, the kind of crossover fans just not watch because it was F1 opening weekend. Like I'm not really that concerned about, you know, a drop of 0.1 or 0.2 or whatever it is. It was still a good number and a great crowd, which is both important. Well, we'll wrap it there next week. Mr. Malukas will be on. We're going to talk about Legos and not racing. Let's see. Let's see if we can bring in like weird Lego questions in the middle of the interview. But he'll be he'll where'd be that come in, from? No, he into Legos. I don't okay. no idea. I I have a Lego set. Shelby will laugh at me for this. I have a Lego set, like a McLaren GTR that I bought in like early December, and I was like, I'm gonna occupy my free time by building Legos. It's still in the box and untouched. Actually, it's in the basement. But yeah, and she like once a week is like, Hey, did you start that Lego set yet? I'm like, Nope, haven't even thought about it. <laughs> Probably should since I spent money on it, but off weekends, what are they for? Sleeping and drinking. That's you can drink point. and build Legos, I guess. I guess Maybe make it take longer or turn out looking a bit <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it there. No racing. Wait, hold weekend. on a second. Oh, I'm yeah, picturing well. a drunk, drunk host, just like infuriated, looking for a missing piece that is not missing because you drank too much. Yeah, I would just quit then. And I'd probably like launch Legos all over my house because I don't care. <laughs> like that old man who like slams his computer keyboard because he gets angry at something. That's me. Okay. Actually, that's me that now. Yeah. Okay. Now we're wrapping it up. NASCARs this weekend, if you care to watch that. If you don't, yeah, that's your right. I agree. Have a lovely weekend. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. <laughs>